0: School PR professionals spend a week or two each year networking, if they're lucky. We pour into this professional development and the conversations drive us in our work. Collaboration is one of the best parts of our job, but then we go back to our daily work and the buzz of bright conversations and innovation starts to wear off.
1: Welcome to School PR Happy Hour. We seek to create a shared space of collaboration and an opportunity to continue those conversations long after the closing sessions of our state and national conferences.
0: We are a community, a community of communicators that lean on each other in hard times and learn from each other regularly.
1: This podcast is about just that, getting to know each other better and sharing our passions about furthering education one story at a time. Over the past few weeks, Aaron and I have discussed what this podcast should look like during this time of constant change, and we decided that maybe school PR happy hour can be a little bit of normal that you're used to. We will be continuing with our regular schedule of content through the completion of season one in a month or so. Today's episode is a great interview with a friend, Katie Tess Davis, on winning in a competitive educational industry. Enjoy and stay safe. What's going on, School PR? Welcome to another episode of School PR Happy Hour. My name is Justin Deering, and today we are gonna dive into a topic that I think comes up at every conference we attend. Education is officially a competitive industry, and many of our parents have a choice on where they send their students to get their education katie is the founder of forthright advising a pr firm that works exclusively with organizations that love kids her team works across the country to help public school district market themselves in the face of increased competition katie welcome in thanks for joining us today
2: thanks so much justin it's so good to be here
1: so we connected through email um we had a conversation about a presentation that you did it in at nc and uh SC Spro, that's a weird one to say. That, that one's tough. <laughs> um, and we uh, we talked about how you're doing a, an amazing presentation on marketing your district in the face of comp- competition. So full transparency, I will tell you, I have not heard the presentation in person, but I did look through your slide deck and saw multiple slides that I immediately screenshot, took to our meetings that we have in our district, shared those stats, especially that one about millennial dads going to YouTube. I think there's a a, a niche there for girl dads, maybe like me, to start a YouTube channel. (laughs) Um, And I'm just excited to kind of hear you go through your research and kind of this presentation and really help um, the school PR people that may have you know, there's some fear there of competing sometimes, or there's some, well, the parents are going to make the choice anyway. And, you know, kind of giving them, in your words, a winning formula of how you can build up your district and market your district in this face of competition. So um, my first question is you just kind of, how did you get to forthright? How did uh, that come about? What's your, your journey through this industry been like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I am the daughter of two college professors, special education professors at UNC Charlotte. And so I think like a lot of us in education, the apple just does not fall far from the tree. So education runs in my blood. It's been in my family. Um, And so I went to Chapel Hill. I got my bachelor's in communications and journalism PR. I think I'm one of those rare unicorn people who actually majored in what they do. Um, And I, at the same time, interned at Charlotte Mecklenburg Public Schools and Durham Public Schools. And I loved it. I really got bitten with the school PR bug. And so when I moved up to D.C., I worked a couple of other jobs, but landed at D.C. Public Schools while Michelle Ree was chancellor, which I'm sure you can imagine was an opportunity and a challenge. I learned so gosh darn much while I was there. A lot of the lessons that we learned about community engagement, a lot of the things that we did right, a lot of the things that we could have done better. I take that all into my work with my clients now. And then after that, moved over to ASCD, the Professional Development Association, um, and was the communications director there for a couple of years. And then moved over to a PR firm in DC where I was a vice president and I got to work with school districts all across the country. So I worked in Shelby County schools in Tennessee. I worked with Aurora public schools in Colorado. We worked in California in Texas in Florida in Massachusetts. Um, and I got to see what districts were doing all across the nation. And we also worked with organizations like Magnet Schools of America, SREB, Johns Hopkins Talent Development Secondary, Educators for Excellence. So I really felt like I was embedded in the nation's education and it was so fun and interesting. I left that job and worked with kids in the foster care system for a little bit, but then my my husband got a job in downtown Raleigh so we made our homecoming to North Carolina. And when we did, we arrived in Raleigh, and I didn't have a job. And some of my former clients from the PR firm were like, oh, hey, you have time. And I was like, I I do. Um, And so I started getting back into client work. um, And I started working with an organization here in North Carolina called the Innovation Project. And it's a consortium of really forward-thinking school district superintendents who are doing really fascinating work. And in their districts. And as I was traveling across the state, I just kept hearing from these district leaders and these communicators at these districts about this increased competition in the marketplace. North Carolina has a pretty big homeschool population, and it's it's just growing. Charter schools as well are on the up and up. And so I really, Justin, I just got hooked. I got hooked on this question of how to market public schools to parents. I mean, I personally believe that public schools are the bedrock of our democracy. And so we started to get to work with clients, um, you know, in the state, across the country who were dealing with this increased competition. Mm -hmm. And we work with a lot of different clients, but a a few types of clients that we work with, like one is that PR person who um, is probably your ideal listener. They are a lone wolf. They are playing whack-a-mole. They are answering calls from the media left and right. They are probably feeling a little bit frazzled. And when we come in and start working with them, It's just somebody to bounce ideas off of. It's added capacity to help implement. We also work with small teams at pretty innovative districts. Um, I always say Forthright is not for everyone. Like We work with people who love to use data and best practices. So we'll work with small school communicator teams, and they'll be amped to have these best practices that we have found from our work with districts across the country. Um, and, And I can talk about some of that like really fabulous best practices here with you today um and share that with our listeners but i you know they're excited to get these tried and true tested best practices because they don't have time right to try things and fail they want to get it right the first time and so those are our clients and those are our people and i have just i got to tell you we have met school PR people are the hardest working, most dedicated, most gosh darn energetic, um, people. And, and we just, you know, I love what we do and, and it's been a joy to start forthright.
1: So I'm excited cause I've over the last couple of years have really become kind of a research junkie and a data junkie. So I'm excited just to hear what you have to say and the research you've gone through with your, with your group. And, um, kind of what you see as trends and what you see as things that school districts can do. So let's just dive right into that and kind of Let's just roll through this uh, this conversation, see where it goes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So actually, before we get started, there are some downloads coming your listeners' way. We, I, I know that our listeners are probably multitasking. I imagine they're listening to this podcast as they're doing chores, doing laundry, picking up their kids from school, like squeezing it in, you know? And so we've made it really easy um, and put everything that I'm about to talk about on a landing page so that you guys have access to it and don't have to be taking notes right now so just know that it's handled for you so um
1: it it will be in the show description so if you're listening to this whether it's through anchor itunes wherever if you just go look in the description i will make sure that that link is in there we'll reference it again at the end of the show but uh yeah anything we talk about katie has uh offered it up for us to download resources because we love having things to print out and hang on our bulletin boards and things we can refer to all the time. So I can tell you it's already hanging in my
2: office. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll talk you through what I like to call the winning formula and I'll give it to you right now. It's so easy. It's just these three simple steps, what they care about, where they are from people they trust. I'm going to say that again, what they care about, where they are, From people they trust. So let's break, let's start with first. The first one is what they care about. So, my team has been looking at studies, academic studies, research backed studies about the eight things that parents care most about when choosing a school for their child. And they're not gonna sound surprising to our listeners, like they're gonna sound really familiar, but I'm gonna talk about each one because each one is pretty important. So the first one is education programs. And that's like, yeah, duh, Katie. Um, But really putting a focus on what, kind of programs you have in the district um, that are unique to you. And I've had the pleasure of working with districts that are really doing some amazing innovative work, um, like having micro schools or virtual academies or days where you know you can come in for half the day and then you can go do internships, early college where you're getting college credit. Like Talk about that. That is something that is really important to parents. And so highlighting your education programs is one really great way to break through in a competitive environment the second is high quality teachers and that is just can't you know can you brag on your rock star teachers in your district can you reassure your parents and your prospective parents that when they're choosing your school that you've got some rock star teachers who are ready for your kid? right like making sure that you're really mm-hmm. highlighting those high quality teachers the third one is safety And that goes beyond what I think we think of as traditional safety, but it's also emotional safety. It's like, um, can we talk about our anti-bullying programs? Can we talk about those soft skills that we're teaching our kids? Can we talk about restorative justice practices? Like, what are you doing to make sure that kids feel safe and supported? And the ASCD in me is coming out. But like, can we talk about the whole child here? Can we talk about the fact that when you go to school, your kid's going to feel safe and secure?
1: We have a thing like the superintendent that I currently work through is he's really, he actually pulled me aside and said, am I saying these lines too much? His line right now, his, his line for the last year and a half has been, you know, from kindergarten to the day they walk across the stage, the last day they walk across the stage, it's our job to make sure there's a smile on their face. Oh. And that means the whole child, not just, they're not walking across the stage going, man, I got an A in English. They're walking across the stage going, I'm happy. I know what my future looks like. And it's powerful. And I looked at him, I said, you can't say it enough. No. Like you, you cannot say that enough. As long as you explain it, that we're talking the whole child. We're not talking about just the grades we make or the college we go to.
2: Yeah. And just, here's the thing that I say to clients all the time for your superintendent, just when you are sick of saying it, that is when it is first breaking through to your audience as soon as you are like I could not say this any more times we've got to change our messages like I am sick of saying it like uh-uh don't change anything you have gold right there like that is when it is first starting to resonate with your audiences because people have to hear mm-hmm. things five to seven times before it sticks so you're doing exactly what you should be doing with your superintendent and being like nope keep saying it over and over again um
1: every presentation, every presentation.
2: I love it I love messaging consistency. we <laughs> preach it all the time um so the fourth one is access to technology. And I think this is about keeping up with the demands of a changing workforce and making sure that our kids are getting a complete education, that access to technology piece. The fifth is opportunities for parental involvement. And I want to challenge us to think beyond just volunteering in the classrooms or the stereotypical class mom, but like what community education are we providing? Are we providing meals or snacks for our families are we um, offering them ged opportunities what how are they invited and welcome and, and how are we welcoming the whole family into the district how are we giving them an opportunity to feel a part of a community you see what i'm saying
1: oh yeah we have um multiple districts up here there's been a new move or down here in texas i guess there's been a new movement of you know adult education classes. So school ends at three o'clock, but at five o'clock, there's a lot of districts around here that are opening up for more than just GED. Um, I've seen a one district that they put out a, um, almost a program. It's almost like college, college level courses, but it's fun classes. Like, Hey, we have a great culinary arts department. Hey, do you parents, we're going to do a cooking class. This month is barbecue. Next month is going to be you know sides and desserts and they're offering that and then floral design is coming in you learn how to make floor, do floral design graphic design but then also on the other half of it so it's not just fun classes it's also we do have they did have the ged offering they did have you know are you a do you want to work in computers come take classes from your students and the classes are led by the students that are in the class as well as well as the teacher and those opportunities the first time that they started to pop up, I was like, I wonder how much those are going to get used and they sell out and they are they fill up within days of release just because the parents want to be involved. They want to know what the teachers are doing. They want to know what their kids are learning, but also if, it, if they can learn, it's, you know, it's double awesome, I guess is the way to word it. It's like that it's a double opportunity for them to see. This school is awesome, but also this school invested in me. Yeah. And I'm just the parent.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. And I think it helps position the district as the hub of the community, as the go-to education provider in that community. I... I talk a little bit about Amazon as an example when we think about this. Like, you, I personally will go to Amazon first just to be like, I'm, you know, no matter what I'm looking for. And even if I'm buying it through a different, seller on Amazon, the fact that I come to Amazon first is a strong brand for Amazon, right? And so the ability to be positioned as the go-to provider really sits in that position of, does my family, my whole family feel welcome in the district? So that's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. The... What are we on? Six. The sixth one is location and convenience. And this seems you know, pretty obvious. But I like to think about it as like, are you well positioned in the community? And can you make your services as convenient to families as possible? And I know lots of families will drive clear across town to get their kids to the school of their choice. But would they want to? Do they have to? Right? Like, can you um, use that location and convenience piece to your advantage? You know, d- districts are spread out all across their community, and that's a strength of ours that we that a private school who just has one campus in one part of town doesn't have to their mm-hmm. advantage, right? Okay. Class size, always important, talking about class size and supports. And then the last one is certainly not last but least. It is the match between parents' and schools' values. And this one I love talking about because it feels so important And there's so many things, this is like just ripe fruit, right? Like this is a thing that we can do right now to talk about who is our uh, what what are our school district values and how do we live those values every day? And this is sort of like how our clients are now starting to use their strategic plan, their mission and vision, their district strategic plan to really trumpet what they believe and what their vision is of a brighter future and have that match with what parents are looking for. And so I would encourage our listeners to like dust off that strategic plan if you haven't picked it up in a while and start thinking about what is it that we value as a district that we can reflect back to the community, and they can see themselves in, and they will know that they are welcome here, and that we share that values. And this is something that like, private schools, charter schools have to do on the regular. They have to talk about their values. And in fact, in some ways, like private schools, especially religious private schools, have a pretty easy entree into this, into showing the match, which just... I love competition. It makes me better. And so like, as a school PR person, can you challenge yourself to be like, how do I reflect today? My district's values to parents so that they know what we're about and that they know that they're welcome here.
1: Well, we've put it into practice in our district that it doesn't, we don't do the message unless we can tie it to either one of our core values back to our mission. And, you know, if we're honest, I could say, I'm going to a classroom to shoot a video about a STEM, a STEM lesson. I can relate it to this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one. And it's, there's always an answer, but we really, we force ourselves to dig down into, especially the core values and figure out, okay, so is this compassionate service? Is this a showing of a relationship that's important? And in all of our different um, core values that we have. So our messaging we're not allowed to let the strategic plan get dust on it. it it's on our desk and I swear I'm on my fourth or fifth copy of it because it just tears after we use it so much. But um, I would, uh, again, I challenge all of our school PR people to, if you don't have the strategic plan, that's where to start is to figure out how to go about getting either, even if it's just a strategic communication plan based on your, your core values and your mission and vision of your district. But if the district as a whole has one, then you get everybody working on the same page and it really, um, it has been a game changer to see everybody buy in in my district to that strategic plan because it's just we're all working on the same team as opposed to one area going, hey, let's just go do this. No, let's make sure it lines up with what curriculum is doing and what student services is doing. And then we got to talk to the communications people because they know words. Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of just how it, it it just flows really nicely when everybody understands the values of the district and is on the same team to make sure that we are portraying those and accomplishing those and living by those values. Yes,
2: and I call that singing from the same songbook. Like if you can get your brand so strong that everyone, no matter who a parent calls in the district, if they call the central office, if they call the front desk of their child's school, if they walk up to the district official in the grocery store, are they hearing a consistent message about your district? And if the answer is no, challenge yourself. What do you need to do to equip the people who you work with, your colleagues, to get that brand consistency? Because it it starts to build trust. That consistency is a piece where you are building a brand that people can can trust. It's predictable. Everyone knows what they're talking about and that really resonates with parents. It's sort of like if you think of some corporate experiences you have, like Zappos comes to mind for example. If I call Zappos, no matter which customer service representative I get, they're all going to treat me like I'm important. Like I like my shoe order is like the greatest thing that happened to them that day, right? And so those sorts of that that predictability from a customer service standpoint becomes a brand indicator that really helps that positioning in your community. So I love hearing what you're doing, Justin, to get that, to get everyone singing from the same songbook.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the Chick-fil-A story. If someone says thank you, at Chick-fil-A, you're like, whoa, yeah. man, where am I at?
2: <laughs> totally. Yep. Yep. That's another brand with a really powerful <laughs> brand consistency, though, the, like my pleasure. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So um, so those are the eight things that, that that parents value. So what do we do once we have that information? Like where do you, what do we do? Ne- what, in your opinion, what's the next step here? Like what do we need to do next in that winning formula?
2: Yeah, step two is where they are. And this is a concept that all communicators should be focused on every day is how do we meet our parents where they are? How do we make it as convenient as possible for them to find our messages? And that is being really thoughtful about what the data tells us about where parents are showing up online, physically, in person, and then in the news. Like, where are they getting their news? And so I know that this is not going to come as a shock, but 50%, more than 50% at this point of today's parent population is millennials. And millennials obviously get their information online. But I have some really cool stats about where specifically online they're getting their information that I think is like really critical for districts to think about when they're trying to meet their parents where they are. So 86% of millennial dads turn to YouTube for guidance on parenting topics. And I love this because I'm picturing my husband right now who is a YouTube fanatic. um, But I can also just see like a dad sprinting being like, how do I t-ball? Like what is happening? And so I think if you can meet your parents on YouTube, and I think Justin, this is why you're like, I got to start a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, can you position your district as a go-to source for parenting information in order to help that brand loyalty? And then are you posting information about the district where parents naturally get their information about parenting on YouTube? So, I mean, I know we know the power of video and you've had guests that have talked about it, but I think that the YouTube is an underutilized platform for districts to focus on. Um, and actually, let me throw in a bonus stat. We're moving towards vertical video. We're seeing that there's a lot of like marketing trendsetters. And I think that's because of Facebook stories and Instagram stories being vertical. So we're seeing a big push towards vertical video. And the theory is that soon vertical video will outdo horizontal video because people are lazy and don't like to turn their phones sideways.
1: As as a video guy who went to school for that, that is so I I think this is a hip word now it's so cringy for me to think about but I've started shooting it and like our students and I mean they're not the millennial age they're younger but our students they don't watch our videos unless they're on the Instagram story in the vertical format or we throw them over onto IGTV or something to that effect and it's so tough to not turn my phone sideways if I am filming with my phone because I still have trouble filming with my phone like I'll just be transparent as po- I have trouble being like this thing is powerful enough to take a powerful enough video that will work why do I have to carry around this huge backpack all day but I uh, the, the vertical video thing our first guest we ever had Jason Wheeler me and him have talked numerous times and I finally said I just wrote in a presentation don't turn your phone sideways and he was so excited that he had finally <clears throat> affected me enough to put that into a presentation and I was I, I was accepting vertical video. It's, it's tough, but I, I mean, I've seen the stats as well and it's, it's smart. It's the thing to do because that's, people don't want to turn their phone sideways and their apps that they're watching it are native. In the vertical sense, it's it's just it's still tough for me to admit that that's probably what I should be doing.
2: <laughs> I mean, it does feel uh, as people who have like yes filmed sideways for a long time. I I hear you. It's a new it's a new change, but um, you Justin are an innovative thinker and you you love data, and so I'm proud of you for I can do it. I, can I believe in it. you. <laughs> um, so the next piece is not going to be surprising, but I want us to focus on it for a second because 75% of online parents log on to Facebook um, with three out of four of those parents logging on at least daily. And sometimes I go into research projects and I get, I I like formulate a Katie hypothesis and the Katie hypothesis on this one was going to be like Instagram was going to be where it was at for millennial parents. But I was proven wrong by the data and it's really Facebook. And that's because if you think about the way that Facebook functions, you get to have it's the only platform where you get to have back and forth conversation with people you trust to get parenting advice. So I've got some friends who are doing, um, sleep training. And so they're like, cry it out, not cry it out. I don't know. Um, and then they can engage in, you know, from birth, basically they can engage with their friends about tricky parenting topics and really talk it through with the people that they care most about on this platform. So it's unique and it's drawing parents in because of that capability. And so, if we can get our parents, our district parents, on Facebook to like the district page, and I actually push district pages a little bit more than school pages, which are also important. But I like that longevity of you know, if it's an elementary school parent and they graduate, like I want them with the district, right? I want them to think of the district as the go-to source. The school is really important, so I'm not I'm not trying to dig there. Um, but also getting them to focus on the district page so that you can grow those 12 years with those parents. Um, But it's just such an important and powerful
0: platform for our clients. Hey friends, I think we've all shifted the ways that we focus on content this year. And I don't know about you, but I'm really connected to this idea of telling a story in everything that we do. I've been seeking a unique way to give our students a voice, but still feel safe about the content that they're producing. Luckily, I learned about Class Intercom. Class Intercom feels like a social media platform, but has safety nets built in, to allow me to decide which channels the student-driven content will appear on. Now students can add their voice to our day-to-day district stories. Thanks to Class Intercom, now we can capture what's actually going on in our classrooms. Learn more at classintercom.com.
2: So the next one is millennial moms turn to search engines and websites when searching online. And part of that is really searching out generic terms, like best elementary school in Atlanta. And so making sure that your district website is easy to use, is welcoming to a new parent who knows nothing about the district. I see a lot of school district websites that are built for current parents. Um, But we need to be thinking with prospective parents in mind, because the current parents are going to know where to go when they get to your website to figure out what they're doing. But prospective parents who are just meeting the district, and I really think about a website as your front door. It is like, there needs to be a wreath, we need a welcome mat, it needs to be easy to use, you need to know how to knock. Um, Like the website being the front door of the district is something I preach all the time, because it's really that first impression And if you think about families who are weighing their choices, especially homeschool families who might be a little bit trepidatious about the public school. Um, that website is is the comfort of home, right? You can search mm-hmm. from the comfort of home. You can think about, you know, all your options. You can explore a little bit. You can take your time. You can come back to it. But really good web design and really welcoming and user-friendly websites are super key for districts that are facing increased competition.
1: Absolutely. And we, in and- I have seen, there's a colleague of mine who, you know, they're redesigning and he actually has, you know, you see it a lot on like personal brand pages, like who am I new to me, new here, those kind of things where it's a, it's a page you can link and you click on, it's like a, almost a start here page. And, uh, they, that, they were the first ones I really saw who had really put out an obvious spot for new parents to start. Like at the top, it said, are you new here? Start here.
2: Oh my gosh. And I love clicked that. there
1: and it was a lawn, it was a laundry list of links. I mean, the links led to all the new parent information. What school do your kids go to? What bus will they ride? How do school lunches work? All right, is what grade are they going into? Here's some resources for first graders, second graders, third graders, and it was a a pretty in depth web page. But it was like you said, it was the welcome mat. It was like, look, we got a lot of stuff on this website. You're overwhelmed just by clicking here. Just start right here, and we'll see where we can get you to.
2: So the other piece that is Is really of this time, is really of 2020, is that 92% of Americans trust recommendations over forms of advertising. And if you think about that, that makes perfect sense. We are like the Yelp generation. We don't even decide where to eat without checking some reviews online. And so when you are thinking about this really big, emotional, life changing decision of where to send your child to school, having recommendations peer to peer recommendations that is gold and so this prompts me to urge your listeners like how are you empowering the parents in your district who are really your supporters, who are your biggest fans and cheerleaders, how are you supporting them to go talk to their friends about the district, about their schools, and about what they love about you? What are you giving them? How are you equipping them to do that? And what can you do to make that as easy as possible for them? Because if, I mean, 92%, like, come on. That is that is it, right? Recommendations over all else. And so then with that stat in mind, you can really build a fun and creative communications campaign around that, that will really move the needle for your district.
1: Oh yeah. I think, um, we have, we've done programs in both districts. It's kind of an ambassador program where it's teachers and parents that we'll bring in and kind of Combat the negativity that you hear about public schools, but also we'll spend the minimal time on that. Hey, this is what they say about public schools. Let me show you how whatever district it is, is, is not doing that. But we spend most of the time just talking about like, why do you love your school? Why, do, yeah. why does why does your kid love going to school why do you love going to the school that you work at why do you love teaching there and we're taking like notes as quick as we can to remember to go back and talk to these people later with the camera so they go through ambassador and then the next year they go into hey if you want to stick with us here's a volunteer program where you can serve on campus you can serve on committees you can help us with big events and we just keep they just kept rolling them through and that was a lightning rod of change in the perception of that district. For the community. hundred percent. Just because we kept, we kept the message alive of you're, you're, our, you're our feet out there. We can only go so far. If you hear something, help us out. If you don't know the answer, call us. Yeah.
2: And this is like a really interesting one to try out when you've got a school who, has, who might have just undergone a big transformation and there's maybe an outdated perception of that school. But putting together a parent marketing committee, this is something that Sheboygan did, putting together a parent committee that is tasked with marketing the school that can be that welcome wagon for your school, that can talk to parents who just moved in recently, mm-hmm. work with realtors in the area, really like help folks understand like what is great about this school is such a powerful messenger because that personal recommendation is so important. So, the third part of the the formula, um we had um, we had the first part, which was what they care about, then where they are, and that's basically online and in person. The third part is from people they trust, And this is where it gets really interesting. So, statistics show us that parents trust those closest to their children to support their children. And that is ninety three percent of people trust teachers with 88% trusting principals and 83% trusting guidance counselors. So using those people as really powerful spokespeople is an important part of any good marketing outreach strategy especially in the face of competition people really want to hear from those that they trust the most about this really big decision that they're making and so i remember when i was at durham public schools this is this is a little story um we were launching an arts magnet and i was tabling at the school choice fair as part of the public information office standing behind the the table for the new arts magnet. And parents kept walking up and being like, oh, gosh, like, you know, you've been so fun to talk to. Are you going to be a teacher there? And I'd laugh and say, no, I just I'm in the I'm in the public information office. Um, But they wanted that personal connection. They wanted to talk to that teacher, that person who would be in the classroom with their kid, because that is such a powerful person that they have that daily connection with who knows their child best. So if a teacher or a principal or a guidance counselor can talk to a parent of a fifth grade student and say as you're moving on to middle school you know i know charlie really loves to code she should consider our stem middle school or did you know about these other programs that we offer um, in technology that charlie might love she might be perfect for this and that is a powerful voice, right? That sort of personalized recommendation from somebody who knows your kid. Um, so what are you doing to empower your school-based professionals with the information that they need in order to trumpet your district success?
1: I'll tell you on this slide, what stuck out stuck out to me was the number with the principals. Yeah. Because immediately, you know, I knew the teacher was going to be the highest one because I just know from our experience that if My kids' kindergarten teacher told us to go join a gym that was 45 minutes away. We probably would have just because we loved her so much and we trusted everything she said, right? But the principal wise, I mean, I could see that at the elementary level because the principals are involved in everything. But once you get to those mega high schools, because we, I mean, our high school's got a couple thousand kids in it, so we're they're all over the place. I just was surprised that parents said that it was that high, just because. Uh, that that was the the number that stuck out there was that principals were 88%. And that just really made me think, I got to get those principals back into the messaging. Yeah. i got to get those principals' faces out there, whether it's in pictures or videos or having them do some long-form writing if that's the route we go. But having their voice used in these messaging is huge based on that stat alone right there.
2: So – we wrote a blog post about the power of principles recently that I will link on the landing page for your listeners so they can dive into it. But there is even recent data from Pew from September 2019 that proved that principles are the most trusted profession in America above military, above police. Oh, wow. I mean, it is the top trusted professional for fair, providing fair and accurate information to the public, the most of all professions in all of America. That is nuts. And that to me, like I get nerdily hype about this. Like that is communications gold. The most powerful person in America works in your district. Like you have to be using that to your advantage. So in our blog post, we talk about, and I'll link this, but we talk about like, do your principals know what the most recent offerings are from the district? Do they know the accolades that you've recently won? Do they know about your newest program that you're just spinning up? And can they talk about it in the grocery store, at church? Can they talk about it to their parents, their families? But how are you using this most trusted person in America to your marketing advantage? Because that is crazy.
1: That is, that. that's even more... Shocking than the previous slide. I <laughs> yeah. haven't down that far yet, I guess. I love that data.
2: <laughs> and you know, Pew is a research champion. And so I think that it, it's a, it's an interesting sign of the times, I think, that principals are really up there, but it really makes my heart happy because it means that there's still affection and trust in our public school leaders. And I think it I think in some ways we can people can perceive the school district as like a, mon- a big monolith, like a big lumbering government agency, but the school is tangible and the school leader is trusted and tangible. So that is communications gold, my friend. Like that is where we need to be putting some effort into making sure that our principals feel like they are empowered as key spokespeople.
1: So we've gone through the formula and I know in your presentation you have uh, your Monday to-do list, which is 10 ideas that you share um, with your your audience there about things that they can start uh, putting into play pretty quickly. If you were to pick two or three of those to be just the important ones to immediately start. Like the first, like if I'm going to work next day after this podcast, after I listen to it, what is what is a couple things I can start doing that day to start building up this marketing, uh, marketing my school, marketing my district in this competitive workplace that we're in?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll make sure all 10 ideas, cause I'm just gonna talk about a couple. We'll make sure all 10 ideas are on the landing page for folks um, to download. But let me start and talk about that match between parent and school's values. So I am never above begging, borrowing and stealing from the competition. So this idea is actually from a micro school in Washington, DC and Nashville, Tennessee called Blythe Templeton. And they are a micro school with a class of eight class size of eight. Um, and they have really innovated their outreach to mirror the way that they do business at their school, the way that they teach and the way that they have their classes. They have created outreach opportunities that for parents that mirror that. So the head of school hosts a book club um, where the, she invites parents in. She recently talked about the book Educated, the Tara Westover book that everybody's mm-hmm. been reading, um, invited them in to have a book club discussion. It's interesting, right? Because it's a book about education and you're going to have a conversation about education and you're going to do it in a small group setting that mirrors exactly the way your kids would learn if they went to the school. And so can you think about your open houses and can you help parents experience what their kids would experience? Can you innovate the way that you do your open houses, your school choice fairs, your um, how do you invite people into your schools so that it reflects your values, so that it really helps people understand who you are and what their experience will be for their kids. So there's a district and um, that did kindergarten welcome night where you could really like sit on the floor. You could play with the toys. You could go through an art lesson together. But how can you make that experience mirror what your parents and what your families should expect from the district so that they feel like, yeah, I can see myself here. This fits with who I am, what I want for my child. So I loved that. That's,
1: that yeah, that's a great, I mean, I know multiple districts in our last uh, t conference, there was a big session on this exact topic of, you know, and I think it may have even been called mirroring the experience um, or something to that effect about like when your parents come in, does everybody sit up straight and sit in their desk and act right? Or do they just keep doing what they're doing and show them what they do every day? But also taking that a step further would be having these nights where the, ki- the parents are immersed in the, the culture of the school, whether it's through the core values or just, you know, I would I would love to go into my child's class and, you know, experience school, how she experiences it every day yeah just to see like, okay, so this is what okay, so this is what she's talking about. Cause she'll come home saying stuff, and I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> right. you're like, it sounds fun, but whatever. um, but i I think that is just a great way, but then to open it up to people outside of the you know, your families that are already there is the way to, you know, share it with your community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so last one, last, like, example. We work with a district here in North Carolina called Rowan Salisbury Schools. And they are the first district in the state to get that charter-like flexibility for calendars and budget and the way that they hire. Um, And they are doing big things in their district. I mean, it's huge. Undergoing that flexibility and transformation Um, And they're calling it the renewal school system. That renewal flexibility is a huge challenge to communicate to their community, but they are doing a rock star job of being able to bring people in and help them understand these big changes and so they hosted an event called the Renewal Reveal, and they invited district leaders, and business leaders, and community leaders, and politicians, elected officials, um, and then you know their their close friends, their parents, their community into this event where they really went through like what is this big change we're undergoing with this district, and. In inviting those people, especially people in the community that might not necessarily have children currently in the district, but inviting those third party validators in, making them feel welcome, having them understand what's going on in the district, like how can you use those people who might not necessarily be in your schools with you every day, like your parents and and teachers, but how can you use your business leaders, your faith-based leaders, your politicians, your local sheriff? How can you use all these people in your community? How are you making sure that they understand your offerings? What makes you unique? And then what they, and, and really like build that sense of pride. What can they be proud of about your district, help them understand. And so I love to see districts do really fun and interesting ways to bring businesses into the community. There's another district that I know that did bus tours and would bring business leaders into classrooms and into um, into schools and do school tours. And they would especially choose people who um, maybe sent their kids to private school or community leaders who maybe had sent their kids to charter schools and really show them behind the scenes. And I call that like going behind closed school doors. Like Mm -hmm. our schools are closed and you can maybe see that outside. And sometimes the outside can appear I don't know, outdated, right? Or it's been aging, but what's going on inside is so like energized and visual and really cool and innovative. And so I just, you know, how can you help those third party validators come in and see what's happening and, and that you're what the work that you're really proud of in your district?
1: I've seen some districts do uh, senior citizen tours, and I've actually been able to film and be on one, and it is so much fun because you just open it up to the public. There's this many seats, and we never cut it off. Um, and we just get another bus. No, I like that. And I do, like that. We do, we do we do bus tours, and they get to go inside, like you said, the closed classroom, and. We put them through lessons in music, PE, art, English, and they're working hands in hands with kids from different levels. And each campus that they visit, they would like welcome them with the, you know, like their royalty, the bands playing, the drum lines playing, they've got music, older music playing and do a dance party for them in the library. And, you know, strategically, a lot of times you do those around, you know, bond elections because that's a, that's a, um a population that still has a voice that even though their kids aren't there, they still need to use the voice. You want them to, you want them on your side, I guess. But um, those things, those have been awesome. But just kind of what you said with from the outside, it looks one way, but on the inside, something different is completely happening. We had a new reporter move into town and one of our schools is ranked really high as an individual campus in the state. And he goes, I drive by that campus every day going to work and I see what it looks like on the outside. And it's pretty but what's going on on the inside, because there's something special going on in there to get this much recognition. I need to get in that school. What do I do to get into that school? And I was like, dude, just let's get in the school. Like you're the reporter <laughs> on TV. You want to come in. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. So I, I think I think it is that is the renewal school system. I'd love to read more about that just because it sounds really Really cool. So, um, so Katie, we talked earlier, but how, um, we'll we'll put the link in the, um, the description, but if they want to reach out to, if our listeners want to reach out on social media, what's the best way place to find you on social media?
2: Yeah. I've linked all that on forthrightadvising.com slash school PR happy hour. So the name of this podcast forthright is F O R T-H-R-I-G-H-T advising.com. And I've got my Twitter handle there. And then you can subscribe to our email list. We send out, you know, if you liked this data, then you are our kind of people. And so we send out data every two weeks, different best practices. We're just about to do a big breakdown of school bond campaigns. You're just talking about involving senior citizens in bond campaigns. And so my teammates studied 25 different successful and failed school bond campaigns. So we'll be releasing Awesome. that in our email list. Yeah. So forthreadadvising.com slash school PR happy hour. And the link is in the session description. It's mobile friendly. Don't put it off, like go right now, download it. <laughs> Cause I know if you put it off, you're not going to do it. So we made it mobile friendly. So you can just like take care of it right now.
1: Awesome. So the last question of every show, um, at least my shows is to talk to me about a moment in your education history that kind of changed you or shaped you to who you've become today, whether it's a teacher or an experience or a class you took. So tell me a little bit about a moment in your educational journey that kind of shaped who you are today.
2: Yeah. Um, so I'll talk about my favorite teacher. Um, I went to art school for high school. I was a photography major, um, which is comes in handy in school PR because we get called to be photographers every so often, don't we? Um, and so... But, but oddly, my favorite teacher was my English teacher. He was not my art teacher. Um, Mr. Whiteside, shout out Mr. Whiteside. Um, he was one of those English teachers that was a stickler about clear and concise language and talk about a lesson that I use literally every day in my job. Like when we were branding Forthright, I was challenging myself to make it into like a billboard statement, like organizations that love kids. That's what we do. We smart communication strategies for organizations that love kids. And I heard him, Mr. Whiteside in the back of my mind being like, how can, how tight can you get that? Like, how clear can you get that? And so I love that there are teachers in my life who, you know, I hear, you know, however many years later still coaching me, right? That's the power of education and that's the power of a really good teacher.
1: Wow, that was so much great information shared during that conversation. I would encourage all of you to visit forthrightadvising.com slash school PR happy hour to see all of the resources that were discussed today. Thank you, Katie, for sharing so much with us today. As always, this podcast works best when we're engaging online after the episode. So after this episode, I just want to know how you are doing. How can we as a podcast help you through these times? connect with us on twitter at spr happy hour we see the hard work you're doing and we appreciate you until next time let's try to be a little bit better every day